I, uh, I received an email today from about our mission trip. Uh, we were told again that we would not be able to do a wedding because the team before us was going to do a wedding. And so they had two teams before us that backed out of doing weddings. And so they wanted to know if we could do two. And so I thought, yes, we could do it the same day. Uh, well, about a hundred people, I think, you said. So, they cost so much to get married down there. It's, it's unbelievable. Um, you, and they go to church, and they want to serve in the church, they're God-fearing people, uh, but because they're not married, they won't have a whole position in the church. And so, uh, so, we had, the first time we did a wedding down there, we married father and mother. Then we married the daughter and son-in-law. And we married a cousin of those three and, and the husband. How many wins did we do? How many we did that? We did it ten. Last time we did seven. Seven. Yeah, we did seven that time. That was the most that anybody had ever done. That was a job.
somebody added to my stuff. Uh, just the, the uh, mud wall and, and the Janelle Moore back there thing. They had both had. Haley. Drug administration seized the shipment, which was in a personal box, and uh, 
Mark contaminated and destroyed. So, yeah. Uh, just so uh, they would keep the letter that uh, their friends should be sending contraband to the United States. Oh. So, baby formula is now contraband. Uh, there, there's a lot of things that's upside down in this world. Um, and we need to be about our business of glorifying God and sharing the gospel. Uh, there's people out there that need to hear it. Uh, need to hear the gospel. For them to stay in the position they're in and the condition they're in, they do nothing. They can go to hell. But they won't do something they're going to accept. His blood was shed for the remission of sin.
great physician. You're the great comforter. You are God Almighty. And when we ask you to, to comfort those in our law, allow them to understand that, that who you are, and, and you're, the, you're the, the only one who can heal a broken heart. Your word is true. Your word is faithful. Your promises are true, and we stand upon them in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So tonight, what we're going to do is we're going to, the first book we're going to talk about is going to be the book of Revelation. We're going to kind of do an overview on the beginning of the book of Revelation. Uh, we're probably not going to touch many scriptures, but we're going to give you a, a historical view of the book. What people what people think that when it was written and the title, what the title means, and and uh, and so uh, we'll get started. First off, the title of the book is the Revelation of Jesus Christ. That means that it's the revealing of Jesus Christ. Yes, Christ came. Yes, He died. Yes, He rose. Yes, He ascended. But these are the things that's going to happen shortly. That's what he said, shortly. And so uh, the title, unlike most books of the Bible, Revelation contains its own title, the Revelation of Jesus Christ. Revelation uh, comes from a Greek word which means an uncovering, where we get apocalypse. That's where we get the word apocalypse. With an unveiling or an uncovering, uh, it's like you've ever been to uh, to an unveiling of a statue, and everybody gathers around, and there's a great big sheet or cover over the statue, and they got it, and they say, "Okay," and they tell you about the the, the, the sculptor or whatever, and then they pull the cord, and the tarp comes down and buries it. Well. The book of Revelation of Jesus Christ, the revelation of Jesus Christ, is an unveiling of Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, it's the revealing of the Son of God, the Son of God, uh, in Romans 8, 19. Uh, Christ's incarnation, and you know we talk about that, and His glorious appearing uh, at His second coming. We're going to talk, and that's what Revelation is going to talk about, His second coming. It's going to talk about He's going to talk about before he came as a child, meager, he came as a servant, he came as a sacrifice. When he comes the second time, he's going to be coming as the king of kings and the Lord of the Lord. He's coming to judge the world. And so, uh, it's going to be a, a, Jesus is going to, Unveil what's going to happen. We're going to see Jesus' glory in this book. Uh, and and uh, the things that were once in hidden are becoming visible. See, we read about what's got to happen. Now we read the book of Revelation and we're going to see what's still to happen. And we can notice that some things are already starting to line up. Go ahead. I'm just going to jump in here because it's perfect timing for me to say that Revelation is number 66, book in the Bible. 
So not only is it this future, and it's, it's the lion's share is the future, but it is taking all the pieces of the 65 books as one of the guys, MacArthur and McDonald brother, stated, this is Grand Central Station where all the railroad lines come through and all of the threads of truth from Genesis are going to be cohesive here. I think they all come together as a convergence. It's highly apocalyptic, as its name is, it's highly charged with it's one of the only books in the Bible where you do not literally translate it. You translate it by the symbolism, which Jesus, who's giving this narrative in the first chapter, states, this is what the symbol means. And so we go back to the Old Testament to see how the symbols line up. And it begins to be more revealing, more, and, and, and this was a spiritual exodus to the eschatological, the word for, somebody needs to translate that, or the Sinai. In other words, this is a spiritual exodus to the mountaintop in the future. And so it says, he is, he was, and he is to come. I think is, if I said, said that right, it's the past pulled together, which was always there. It's the present. who He is the guy who's the author of this book, not John. And this is what it's going to be like in his second coming. And this is the revealing of his second coming. It, it is still to come. Right. Uh, there, there is no argument about who the author of this book is. The writer. Uh, the author is John, the Apostle. And it mentioned it four times in the book of Revelation. In, uh, in, verse, in, in chapter 1, verse 1, uh, verse 4, verse 9, and then again in chapter 22, verse 8. And so, and then the last part of this first chapter, Jesus tells them, write these things down. Right. And that's another place where he's to write it and he's recording it. Yeah. Uh, and so, there are differences in time uh, from this book, from the other book that John authored. But number one, this is an apocalyptic, an apocalyptic book. So it would definitely be in a different time. Uh, but it's written by the same author. Uh, also, uh, there's some conflict about, early conflict about the date of this book being written. Uh, most today, most folks can stand emphatically on the fact that it was written in the last decade of the first century. It's somewhere between uh, 94 and 96. It was written within that time period. And it was written when John was on, and had been uh, put on the island of Patmos, which is an island off the coast of Turkey. That's where he was. Uh, and he had this spiritual encounter with God. 
God called him to uh, heaven because he said he he sinned. Uh, and so part of the book had to deal with the spiritual decline of the seven serpents. Uh, that's why they're mentioned. Uh, also, uh, the churches were strong and spiritually healthy in the mid-60s of the first century. But as they got toward the 90s, the 80s, the 90s, uh, uh, they were no longer as strong as they were, and so that's part of it. But the other part is, is it had to be toward the end of the million brand. He was the king, uh, or, or the, the Caesar of, of, of uh, Rome. Uh, uh, and so, some people thought it was the Nero's, but there, there's too many things going on at the same time for that to attack. So it had to be uh, uh, during a time of great persecution. Nero gave start, but it continued. It didn't stop. And so, uh, most of your apocalyptic books were written during a time of great persecution. Uh, and so, this is just some, some history here. Uh, go ahead. I just want to interject go one ahead. thing. And I did, in, in the past, seen the rise of Gnosticism begins during this time. This, this false teachers thing. You, you hear it in 1 John and 2 John. This false teaching is rising in the, in the very peak of Gnosticism was in the second, or second century, beginning of it, 125. And so John uh, is battling that. And, and you can hear it in his writing. And uh, to some extent, um, he's fighting off two fronts here. Uh, awaiting away. And we'll hear it in the second and third chapters of the churches. And then also this Gnosticism, which is going to steal away uh, the Christians. This is right, right now, right with spiritual, spiritualism. Spiritual things are going on. And so John is holding the line here. And in this book, we get a visit from Jesus himself in his vision. And so this is incredibly important. And you said Domitian, was it? Yeah. Domitian. When he died then, that released him from the Isle of Patmos. Right. And he got to go back to Ephesus, where all these churches right. were. Well, and see, that, that's another reason that, that they believe that it was written later and during Domitian's reign. Because if it was during Nero's reign, he wouldn't have had time to go to eight months. He wouldn't have time for him to have done that to the point of where the authority exiled him to pass. I mean, it, 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 around the 50s and the 60s, he, he couldn't have done that. Um, and so, uh, and so they, otherwise they would have not needed to exile him. So it was later. It was in a uh, Revelation uh, begins with John, the last surviving apostle, and an old man in exile on a small, barren island of Africa. Think about that. You remember? Who asked him who was going to be? You know, he said, Bye, let him live. 
not pay attention to who's put that to you. We're not to be concerned about that. How long, you know, we're, be, we're to be concerned about serving God. And so, uh, you know, he was a lack. Uh, the Roman authorities had banished him uh, there because of his faithful preaching of the gospel. Now, this man's been loyal. He's gone through a lot. Oh. While on Patmos, John received a series of visions uh, that laid out the future history of the world. Not just of Christianity, but the world. The world. And so it says, uh, and so when he was arrested, John was in efforts ministering uh, to the church there and in the surrounding cities, seeking to strengthen those congregations. It wasn't in efforts in the city. In the city. And so it had to be in the later. Uh, and so uh, John addressed Revelation to them. The churches uh, had begun to feel the effect of persecution. Uh, at least one man, probably a pastor, had already been martyred. Uh, and John himself had been exiled. Uh, but the storm of persecution was about to break in full fury upon the seven churches. It was fixing to really get after it. Uh, so the date, you know, of the apostles, you know, is the seven churches were dear to, to John's heart. Uh, to those churches, Revelation provided a message of hope. God is in sovereign control of all the events of human history. And though evil often seems prevailing, and pervasive, uh, and wicked men, all powerful. Their ultimate doom is certain. certain. Christ will come in glory uh, to judge and rule. To judge and rule. Uh, historical things, you know, we can get into that. Uh, you got to get yeah, well, yeah. This prophecy, as it, John calls it a prophecy. John says this is a prophecy. And he says, uh, this is not, in so many words, this is to the church, it's not just encouragement, but also a warning. It's a warning to the unbeliever, and it's encouragement to the believer. And when you, when you look at Revelation totally, this is, this chapter 1 is the prologue. It tells what's going to follow in the rest of Revelation. It tells, you read chapter 1, you should know what's going to follow. And, uh, and then, then he talks to what? The presidents. The two, chapter 2 and 3 is the churches. And then later, four, I'm getting ahead a little bit, but historically, he is talking in this book to all of those things that are going to precede his 4 to 18 is going to be the before his second coming. Second coming is 19 now, and 20 and 21 is the future. If I got that right, that it's. And by the way, when you when you begin to translate this, you will find people giving you the the meaning of Revelation all over the place. Take your time and look up the words in the Old Testament, in Ezekiel, in Zechariah. And then Daniel, and see what it's saying there. The little apocalypse, as it's called, is, is, is in Mark 13. 
you can read Mark 13 and get this little uh, revelation or apocalypse. The whole point is it can it can go off the rails very quickly if you don't get the context from what the symbols mean in the Old Testament. It must agree. It must agree. It's tying that's Grand Central Station. It's tying it all together. It should should really agree. It's very difficult. Is it allegory? Is it prophecy? Is it a letter to the churches? It's all of these things. So it becomes a letter to the churches. And so he's saying the Ancient of Days, and he tells who that is. And it gets into encouraging the churches. He always says, those who endure to the end get this reward. He's always encouraging, but he's also warning. Interestingly enough, when, if we ever are the ones that decide to go down <laughs> in this whole book of Revelation, it is going to be difficult for whoever tries to navigate the the interpretation interpretive meaning of each of the areas. It gets really into the symbolic meaning. And the allegories is never the way to interpret the Bible. Never the way. At least that's our present day taking. Don't try to get allegorical and go off with some story. Stay with the narrative. Or you can you can break you can break the book down into three major things. You know, the first one uh, would be like chapter one uh, would be number one. So the things which you have seen that'd be chapter one, one to twenty. All right, those are the things that which everybody thinks. All right, uh, the apostles commission, uh, you know, the, the vision of the glorified Christ, uh, and the prologue. All right, then. Section two would be the things which are. And that would go from chapter two to the end of chapter three. And those are going to be, you know, the letter to the church of Ephraim and the, the seven churches. Uh, and the letter, and so you're going to get all the church. You're going to get the, the, the accommodation and condemnation. Alright? And then the third section is the things which will take place after this. And so that'll go from chapter 4, verse 1, all the way to 22, 21. And so the things which you're going to take, you know, the worship in heaven, uh, the great tribulation, uh, the result of uh, the return of the king, the millennial reign, the, the great white throne judgment, the eternal state. Think about it. The eternal state. The eternal state is when so it's all we're, we're eternity. Even through Jesus, the worship in heaven and all this, the, the symbolism of that, we're going to be up out of here when it gets to the tribulation. We're not going to be here. We're not. We're not going to be here for Jacob's trouble. We're not. We're not going to be here. So, with that being said, that is the time where God is going to inflict severe pain, not only on Israel. Those who reject it, right? And there, one of these 
symbolic, one of these sections, but I left out with some numbers. There's seven churches, seven lamps. And by the way, this is not only seven churches in, in Asia Minor. Asia Minor had many more churches. But the seven, seven represent additionally, they think, and I'm not sure I buy this, but the church ages as they come the several church ages so we can follow what it's going to be like Laodicea. Hello, that kind of rings bells today. But there's seven uh, figures, there's seven bowls of wrath, seven trumpets and seal judgments. There's seven, seven, seven. There's also, which isn't seen too well, seven beatitudes, the first of which is in blessed is he who Here's these words, and this is these words. This is the attitude. These are blessings. There's seven of them throughout Revelation, and we'll have to pull those out as we go. But the book of Revelation is to be a blessing to the believer. Totally. He said it. He said it in birth, in the, in the very beginning of chapter 1. Mm-hmm. Now I'll read that. Um, well, it should be right here in front of me. Uh, says the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him to show his servant things which must shortly take place and he sent and signified it by his angel and his servant John who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he uh, thought. Blessed is he, verse number three mm-hmm. blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in for the time is near. Right up front. Third uh, verse. I love that. Uh, and I never realized that until I kind of got to looking at this. And that the attitude, that's for us today. Us, hey, are we the one who is reading aloud the words of this prophecy? Wow. And uh, it's so poignant that that uh, Jesus is asking John to write these things down towards the end of the 19. Write, therefore, what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. Those three things. Now, what is to take place? Largely the prophecy. Jesus is charging John here to bring this to all the churches, to all the church ages, to all the people of the world to tie together in this uh, just this huge bringing together of the Word of God. All I want to say fulfilled, but it's not fulfilled yet. The Word is not fulfilled. And I got that wrong several times in my head, but it's not fulfilled yet. But it's coming, it's converging to be fulfilled. And we can count, rest assured, this will be fulfilled in your, maybe not in your lifetime, but in in our kingdom of God age. When the kingdom of God blossoms and the bride is taken out of the church, um, there's a lot of things that we believe here that the bride is not dragged through 
a lot of what we visualize in the, the apocalyptic uh, narrative of the, the persecution of those seven years of tribulation. It just doesn't make quite you know, understanding that we would be, the church would be direct through. Would people be saved during that time? I think so. But I think it will be something to pay attention to and be ready for. This encouragement is to be ready also. To be not just hearing these words, but to be to to be like these seven birds or five virgins of saving up the oil in their lamps, gathering up those things for that time so when he does come in the second coming here that the church is ready in the uh, back
then you have what's called the church age, which we're in now. So there's, there's, there's seasons. And so the next season is the, is the second coming of Christ. Amen. So uh, that's what he's talking about when, you know, uh, time is near or shortly. Uh, that's what they're talking about there. Uh, and then he goes into the seven church. And so, uh, but we're not going to we're not going to venture too far there that, uh, because we're just looking at an overview uh, of this. And then you get to where you get to a point in, 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 in Revelation, after you can talk to the church, you don't hear about the church until you get into the end uh, of Revelation. The reason you don't hear about the church because it's not here. It's not here when all of those things are happening. And I know some people don't believe that, and that, that's fine. You know, but this is, this is what the Bible teaches. They're not here. He's not speaking to the church here in that. Yep. They're not speaking to it. He's speaking to those who are left here. They're not there, can, there can only be hell on earth if God's church is not here. Because while we're here, what are we? We're the light of God. We're the salt of the earth. With that said, yeah, I mean, there is people who feel that the believer is pulled into this this chapter four to eighteen, what precedes the coming of the Lord, uh, those horrible times where they're calling down the the, the bowls of judgment. Before that, the trumpet judgment. Before that, the seal judgments. All those judgments are horrible things that happen to the people. Not only to the people, but to the earth itself. And people won't survive what is coming. And it tells us that. But the whole point is that judgment is largely in chapters, and it's kind of clear, it's chapters 4 through 18. And there is some encouragement in there. Uh, just one idea in, I forget what chapter it is, that there's silence in heaven for half an hour. What in the world could silence the praises of God for a half an hour? Okay, those, that's catastrophic. Not just here on earth. There's silence in heaven. So what does that mean? And so... So this is a book that exhorts us to being ready and be, be worried about where we are so that we are ready for the second coming. This whole story is for the second coming. You know, when it comes, it, it is, it's not him setting foot on earth the second coming for the judgment. There's a period of time where he meets the people, the believers in the air. That's the point that we should be ready for. If I said that right. So clarification, please. We will we will be caught up. up. Yeah. So we caught in the air. And that is a this is this is me. This is me. Uh, who is the ruler of the air and the and the earth? The prince. Faith. And if Christ calls his people up, caught 
you just let them know you have no control over my people. And then we go, and then we come back with him. Oh, that comes with you back on here. So that's in Revelation 2. So anyway, uh, there's a lot, there's a lot here. And there's a lot that it says. And there's a lot, a lot of different ideas and different things. A lot. What you do is pray and let the Holy Spirit guide us. And you sound good. You know, God gave us common sense. Now, we have to understand that we're taking a finite common sense and applying it to an infinite God. And so, you know, and there, the yeah. interpretation of prophecy is not given to us. Mm-hmm. It, the only way we understand prophecy is after it happens. We, we don't have the ability to understand what's coming. <laughs> we don't have that. Well, we're, we're definitely in the birth pain. Mm-hmm. We might be further along. But we're definitely in the birth pain. Now, you didn't take a rough time to figure that out. We've been in the birth pain for a while. But it's really starting to manifest. I mean, it is getting to the point where Christians are being persecuted or starting to be persecuted and prosecuted in the United States. For Christ's name. For Christ's name. But we do know one prophecy. Thank you for it says when the fig tree blooms, and Israel blooms, 1948 became a nation, and then coming back, so so we get a, a piece of it that has already happened, so we can hold fast to that prophecy being actually accomplished. And then when you see these things happen, when you see all these things happening, is a little bit different story. <coughs> all these things happening then you know that I am it. I am getting them all there at the same time is a little more difficult. When you think about it, you know, in, in the book of Revelation, you can see the whole world coming to be The whole world, all the armies of the world. <coughs> and as long as there are Christians here, it's not going to happen. Because what did he call us to do? A lot of work. We're to share our life. We're to share God. The only reason there's good on this earth is because Christians have the influence of the Holy Spirit. That's it. It's not anything that Jerry did. It's not anything any of y'all did. It's because we're in well with the Holy Ghost. And we can do good. For his glory, not ours. We are to be used by him for his glory. And this, any quick, any comment? I'm going to throw one more in there. Revelation 1 4, because you'll hear this several times. Uh, and I'm reading in the NIV. Uh, him who is and who was and who is to come. Revelation 1-4. This statement puts God, Jesus, and the seven spirits with, with, with that wall word feels that's the Holy Ghost. Center stage 
in the greeting to the seven churches of Asia at the present time. But you'll hear this statement said several times, I think, throughout Revelation. That's Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit. By and large. Unless in seven spirits has some additional meaning. Meaning, uh, quick. Go ahead. They had a funeral this past week, yes, got to think about it again. During the rapture, the day Christ will rise first. <coughs> and then those who are alive will rise after that. But when you die, physical death on earth, your soul is being in heaven, correct? Correct. On body, present, and soul. Okay. All right. The day in Christ will rise first from the trumpet time. The dead body. Right, the body. The body will rise first. The dead and Christ. They, their bodies will ascend first. Because it's, it, it, in Thessalonians, that's what we preach. When we preach it, you know, and preach it, you know, we're not agreeing with anybody. Because we have hope. We know where our destination is. We're, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. You know, we're aliens here. We're ambassadors for God. And so... What happens is when we die, I don't know exactly how that works, because I haven't experienced it yet. But I do know that when you die, your soul goes to God. Because it says, after the body, present with the Lord. And I also know that when it comes to the to the to the rapture or the resurrection or whatever you want to call it, the trumpet will sound, the dead in Christ will rise first, and those who are alive will follow. They call it in the air. The dead in Christ will see Jesus before we. And, and bow before him. I, I don't know about all of it. Is it a new heaven? Or not, that's late. That's okay. late. Okay. Right. See, the, the, the rapture is an event all of itself prior to the second coming. Second coming is when he comes in his glory on the black, on his horse. Seven years, seven, I got bad math, but seven years uh, of, 
of turmoil on the earth. Uh, in the middle of, in the midst of the three and a half years um, that we would desecrate the temple. During those three and a half years and after, uh, for a while, that the two witnesses were witness in the middle of it. In the middle of it. And, uh, and so, uh, most folks think that it's Moses and uh, Elijah and Enoch, possibly. Yeah. They're two witnesses. And, and so, um, they're, they're messengers of God, and they're going to stand, and they're going to call out sin 24-7. That's, they're, going to, they're not going to eat, they're not going to sleep, they're going to be calling out sin to the and nothing can touch them. Nothing can touch them. Well, yeah, that's right. Huh? But, yes, at a point. At a point. And then they rise. Mm -hmm. And they resurrect them. Yeah. But I would just, I'm probably one of the answer, but is there like a holding pattern in heaven for the judgment seat with the non-believers and those? According to, uh, according to Matthew, uh, you know, the, the rich ruler went ahead. Okay. And, and, and the uh, Aladdin went to the bosom of Abraham, which is heaven. So, and then comes the judgment, when we've had a final judgment, that's when they go into the lake of fire. Yeah. I don't know, you know, I don't know how different the lake of fire and hell is, well, but, but then, then, I don't know. Well, we talked about that, or a fruitful bomb states this pretty clear. There is hell, which is one word in English, there's multiple words in, in uh, Hebrew and Greek. But Baden is where the demons are held. Uh, Hades was broken into torments, which was where bad people in the Old Testament were held. And then Jesus descended to paradise, the other part of Hades. Paradise then was raptured to heaven. They th we think it was taken with him. All the good people in there went with him because he was the firstborn of the resurrection. So he had to go first, but they, he took those in his train to heaven. Then there comes later. Remember Gehenna, the valley of Hinnon? Gehenna comes from that name. Gehenna is another name for hell. And that name for hell, um, Frutenbaum says, is, is lake of fire. Synonymous with lake of fire. That's the last uh, ultimate hell. And that is where then the devil himself will be cast into Gehenna. Gehenna was where they would shout curses and blessings across to each other. Six tribes on this side, six tribes on that side. And as they're doing that, back and forth, then later to other gods in this valley of Gehenna. So it's become known as Gehenna. Isn't that right? That's what well, I, don't know. Know. I, I don't know how the valley guys name it. The part of the, that, I don't know. Go okay it was not known. There's another name for hell. Hell is hell and hell heaven is heaven. Hell. Hell. Probably yeah. a good reason to have one word for yeah. it. Back. Yeah. Uh, it uh, yeah. The Bible says that there was a great cabin that separated. Uh, obviously, you can see across. You know, we can't get to each other if you see across. And uh, yeah. what happened? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, our gospel wasn't 
they reject it, you know. I, I still pray for them. Pray that they'll come to understand who God is and, and, and make a decision for Him. Uh, but at the same token, uh, I'm glad I'm not going. I mean, I know where I'm going. Yeah. And the Bible tells us we can know without a shadow of doubt where we're going. We may, we may get tainted with some doubt here and there, but put it aside because I, I know he said he goes to prepare a place for me. And my father said, and where I am in his word. I wonder where that silent part is. Or oh, sure. 